Dear Jesus, I thank you so much that we're all here together tonight, Lord, worshiping you. Um, God, there's nothing better. Lord, I thank you so much that we have this opportunity to learn about you um, and that I pray that this lesson, um, that it would have an impact on us and that we would see what you're trying to teach us, Lord, um, and that we would listen and that we would apply it to our lives so that we can continue to further your kingdom. In your name I pray, amen. Again, welcome to TNT. I um, just want to say how thankful we are that you are able to join us this evening. Super, super excited about that. Uh, if you need a Bible to use for our Bible study, uh, go ahead and raise your hand and we will make sure that a Bible uh, gets to you. Um, let me just take a minute here uh, to remind you, if you don't have a Bible that's yours, um, I would definitely encourage you to get one that you can take notes in, write things down. And if you don't have one, please come talk to me, talk to one of your leaders. Um, so that way you can have one to use every week because we like to make these available for you, but we definitely encourage you to have one so you can read and look through that. Um, I also want to mention, um, if you like to take notes, uh, we do have these cool little fellowship uh, journals um, that you can purchase. They're only two bucks. And so you can get those at check-in or check-out. If you want to take notes, uh, all that kind of stuff, this is a great way um, to uh, be reminded of what we talk about here each week so that you can read this and stay in the loop, okay? All right, so tonight we're going to continue on in our series uh, that we're calling Lenses. And before we get into our topic tonight, let's do a quick uh, refresher. Uh, what were some of the things that we talked about last week. It could be the passage, who we talked about, some of the themes. Let's just do a quick kind of check in here. What did we talk about last week? What's that? Yeah, falling into lies. Very good. What else? I know it was like seven days ago, but uh, what else? What were some of the things that we talked about last week? Forgot? Well, you know what? Taking notes is a great way to not forget. Sponsored by. Okay. Very good. Yeah, Jason? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. For us to believe lies, it first starts with us not knowing truth. Very good. Good. What else? Other thoughts? Let me ask you this. What story did we look at last week? Adam and Eve. Thanks, Adam and Eve, right? Okay, very beginning of the Bible. Good. Anything else that you remember from last week? Just just checking in here in case we... Any other thoughts? Yeah, Olivia? Yeah, yeah. Satan will stop at nothing to twist truth so we can believe it. Yeah, good. What else? Other thoughts? What else do you remember from last week? Yeah. Yeah, very good. Again, if you don't know God's voice, if you don't know God's word, then we're much more likely to believe lies and fall prey to those lies. Okay. All right, good. Well, again, let me just give you a quick refresher. Last week we talked about Adam and Eve and how they were deceived and sinned, okay? 
And we talked about how a lie works and why it's important for us to know truth and to know God's word. And again, last week, our big truth that we were looking at is we must know truth, truth from God's word. So in order to fight lies, we must know God's word, truth. Okay? And that's why we take so much time every week to study the Bible, because we believe that this is truth and that it can change and transform your lives. Okay? So tonight, the lie that we're going to look at is this. If I'm a good person, I will go to heaven. Okay? So this is the lie that we're going to unpack tonight here. So if you have your Bible in front of you, turn to Matthew chapter 19. That's where we're going to be here tonight. And if you need help finding Matthew, feel free to ask a neighbor, ask a leader. We want to make sure you find it so you know exactly where we're at. Uh, Matthew chapter 19. Okay. And when you find Matthew 19, give me a little like, what is this, hang 10? Is that what they do? Yeah, hang 10. Switching it up. Righteous dude. I haven't watched Finding Nemo in a while. We should watch that. Yeah, bro. Squirt. It's pretty sad. Well, it's got real. Okay. All right. So what I'd like to do now is before we kind of really dig into this passage, uh, remember about a semester or two ago, we spent the whole semester talking about this Bible study method called SOYA. Okay, remember, remember that? And part of that is making observations, okay? And I want to continue helping us get into good Bible study habits so that way you know how to study the Bible on your own, okay? So what I'd like to do now is I'm going to give you two minutes to read this passage on your own and begin to write some things down, jot some notes, um, whatever, okay? So again, it's just a couple of verses, 16 through 22, and I'm going to give you two minutes to silently on your own, read through it, begin to process it a little bit, and then we're going to come back and we're going to work through this together as a group, okay? Give me a thumbs up if you're with me. Good? Okay? All right, we can start the timer and go. And again, it was verses 16 through 22.
Okay, all right. So before we work through this here a little bit, let's practice some Bible study skills, okay? What are some observations that you made? Again, we're not trying to understand what's happening yet. Let's just try to identify who's involved in this. What are some key things? Let's just kind of, what do we see here? Okay, let's process this. Yeah, so we have one of the main characters here, this rich young man. Maybe you have ruler. Okay, we have Jesus talking here, and he's asking Jesus, okay, what do I got to do to be good, right? Yeah. Yeah, he asks Jesus, okay, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus gives him some answers, and he's like, what am I still lacking? So this is going to be a lot to unpack, but I, th I think and I believe that we can do it together, okay? Good. What else? Other observations, things that you see, things that might be important? Yeah. Okay. So at the end, we see he's pretty sad and bummed out, and we're going to maybe see why that is. Okay. Yeah, he's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's process through. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. All right, so let's process this here together. Okay, so some context. There's a young man, and your your translation might have ruler. Okay, there's a rich young ruler. So young man, he's a ruler. Uh, we don't know if he's like a politician, somebody in the religious circles. He has some sort of prominence, some, some position, and he is wealthy. Okay, that's really all that we know. And so we have Jesus having this exchange with him. We have large crowds that were gathered together, okay? So all kinds of people are listening to this exchange happening. So let's kind of process this here a little bit. So first, what question does the ruler ask Jesus in verse 16? What's the very first question that this man asks? Okay, yeah, he's saying, okay, what good deed do I have to do to get eternal life? In other words, how do I get to heaven? What good things do I have to do? And so... I think this is fascinating because isn't this a question that many people in our world here today deal with on a daily basis? What good thing do I have to do to get to heaven? Maybe a lot of people are asking the question, how do I get to heaven? But then a lot of people are asking, okay, what good things do I have to do to get to heaven? 
And I'm sure probably many of us in this room have thought that and maybe are thinking that right now. What, what good things do I have to do to get to heaven? So how does Jesus respond to this in verse 17? What does he say? Yeah. So he says, uh, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And so it's fascinating that Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? And this seems like a very odd response because at first read, it kind of seems like Jesus is suggesting that he's not God. But we know that that's not true, that he is, in fact, God. So when you first read it, you're like, this is a very interesting response from Jesus. But he's not suggesting that he's not God because we believe that he is. And he talks all about in the Gospels that Jesus is God. And so Jesus is not denying his own goodness, but rather he's asking a pressing question to get to a deeper question. And Jesus is so amazing at how he does this because he often will ask a question, but then he's really getting to a deeper question. And that deeper question that he's asking this young man is he's really getting at this point of, do you understand what you're saying when you're calling me good? Do you understand what good means? So for him to call Jesus good, Jesus is kind of asking this question to help kind of get deeper and basically say, well, what's your definition of good? How do you even know what good means? Because if you're saying you know what good is or what it means, then that must mean you're good. He's kind of getting to this deeper issue. And so Jesus was asking these questions to get this man to think, do I know what good is? Who defines good? What is good? But thankfully, Jesus follows that with, there is only one who is good. And who is that one? Everyone say, God. God. Okay, there you go. I'm trying to give you some easy answers here, okay? He's insinuating that God is the only one that's good. And again, hear me when I say this, Jesus is not implying that he's not God, but he's challenging this man's lens. He's asking a deeper question. There's a deeper question beyond this question. And so in this same account in Luke 18, Jesus says, no one is good except God alone. And so why does Jesus make this clarification that there is only one who is good, and that's God? Because the reality is, no one is truly good except for God. And because of that, God alone is the one who defines what is good. Because not only is God good, he is the very essence of goodness. God is goodness defined. I mean, here are just a few verses. Nahum 1 says, the Lord is good. Psalms talk all about this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How abundant is your goodness? We could be here all night talking about how the Bible describes God and his goodness. Because not only is God good, he is goodness defined. He is our whole basis for goodness. And so, because of this, we cannot determine if something is good or bad 
unless we have a basis to work from. We can't truly understand what's good or bad unless we have a foundation to start with, a baseline. And we call that objective truth. Okay, I'm going to you know, push you a little bit here. We call this objective truth, meaning there has to be a baseline for us to understand what's good or what's bad. Because if we don't have that foundation, then everything falls apart. And we believe that objective truth comes from God. And so, just to be clear, the word good here means this. Upright, honorable, without blemish, excelling in every respect of good nature. It also means good in a moral sense, meaning thoughts, feelings, actions. And so, in other words, if you've ever thought, felt, or done something that is not honorable, the Bible says, then you're not good. So if you've ever thought, felt, done anything that's not honorable, respectable, then you are not good. And so let me pause. If God alone is truly good, and these are the defining characteristics of what is good, well then where does that leave us? None of us are good. Nobody is good. I mean, are any of us truly upright, honorable, and good-natured? Don't answer that. The reality is none of us are truly good. Because, friends, here's the reality. There are two kinds of people in this world. There's sinners and there's liars. Because all of us are sinners. It doesn't matter if it's only as small as stealing a pencil, thinking a bad thought, gossiping, whatever. Anything, no matter how great or small, compared to this definition of good, no one compares. That's why the Bible says no one is righteous. We have all fallen sin. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Your best deeds are like filthy rags. The best things that you've ever done are like dirty, grimy rags. And so the reality is, none of us are truly good in the eyes of what the Bible defines good to be, and that is God. All right, so Jesus lays this out. He asks this question to really get to a deeper question. So how does Jesus answer the ruler's question about how to receive eternal life in verse 17? So again, the young man says, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus asks him this question. Why do you call me good? And so what does he say now in verse 17? What does Jesus respond with? What does he say? If you want eternal life, what? Okay, keep the commandments. Any idea what he's referring to when he says commandments? Yeah, thank you. Okay, the Ten Commandments. Or in other words, the law. So Ten Commandments... The law, for this time tonight, kind of interchangeable terms here. And so, before you get confused, you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem to make sense. We're going to pause here, and let me just say this. Let's continue reading, and we're going to see how this fits into the picture, okay? So, we're going to continue reading, and we'll understand what he means by this, okay? So, for now, let's just keep going. So, Jesus says, okay, if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. Now, what does the young man say in verse 18? How does he respond to what Jesus said. Yeah. Which ones? So, 
Jesus tells him, follow the commandments. And the man says, which ones? In other words, hey, Jesus, can you name the specific commandments you want us to follow? Can you just give me the exact commandments you want me to follow? So that way I know which ones I don't have to worry about as much. So in an essence, the man is asking Jesus, okay, what's the passing grade? Tell me what I need to do. And let me guess, you've never thought that about any assignment in your life. What's the passing grade? But that's what the man is asking Jesus at its roots. Jesus, what commandments do I have to follow? Tell me which ones exactly. Tell me what I need to do. And think about this. Have any of us actually asked that question? What do I have to do? Jesus, can you tell me what I have to do? What's the bare minimum to get to heaven? What's the bare minimum to get to eternity? And then we see Jesus here list a few of those commandments. Okay, all right, so Jesus lays this out. Now, what does the man say in verse 20? What does the man say now? And you can look right in your Bibles. He says, Jesus, I've kept all of these, but what do I lack? What am I missing? Well, to me, the first thing is the fact that he says, what do I lack? Probably tells me he knows that he's not actually kept them all very well. The fact that he says, what do I lack? Probably tells us that he hasn't even followed it perfectly. But why? Because if he truly followed the commandments why did he acknowledge that something was missing, right? If the ruler truly, the young man, truly followed all the commandments, then why did he say, Jesus, what's missing? What am I lacking? Because shouldn't that have been enough? But even though he followed all of them, he recognized that something was still missing. Something was missing. And so let me ask you this. Don't raise your hand, but think about this. How many of you have ever felt that way? That something is missing. That something is lacking. Maybe you feel that way now. You're trying to do these good things. You're saying, okay, I'm checking the boxes, but something is still missing. Something is lacking. And maybe you've said, okay, I'm checking all of those moral boxes. I'm doing lots of good things, I'm generally a good person. Why do I still feel like something isn't right? Maybe you think, why do I still feel unsure about my eternity? I'm doing all the right things. Yet, is it enough? Is it enough? Do I get a passing grade, Jesus? Well, listen to how Jesus responds. What does he say in verse 21? What does Jesus reply to this man with? Yeah, Lachlan? And what? What does he say right after that? And, okay. And then is there any more to that? And what? Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you own, give it to the poor, Inherit your treasures in heaven and come follow me. 
And so Jesus was calling this man to forsake everything and follow him. He's saying, go sell everything and come follow me. This was a call to put God first, which ironically is the very first commandment, right? So the ruler says, Jesus, I've been following all these commandments. I'm pretty good. Not going to lie. I don't know about the guy over here, but I'm pretty good. Jesus says, well, then sell everything and give it to the poor. Well, the irony is the very first commandment is you shall have no other God before me. In other words, put me first. And so Jesus was helping the man understand that if you claim to follow all the commandments, if you're claiming to be so good, then you should also follow the first one. If you're saying, hey, I'm following all the commandments, but you skip past the first one, sorry, is 9 out of 10 a passing grade? Kind of, yeah. I don't even know what grades are anymore. Do you guys even get grades anymore? I don't even know. Okay, I digress. But Jesus, in his sovereignty, Jesus knew that this man loved his wealth. He knew right to the very heart of this man, yet he was inviting this man to love God. He was saying, follow me, sell everything, put me first. Come follow me. Yeah, right? And we can kind of see where this is going. Because Jesus calls out this man's hypocrisy. He's saying, hey, I've done it all. Jesus says, well then, go sell everything you own. And I just kind of imagine the man going, what? Wait, can uh, can you say that again, Jesus? Uh, I think, I don't know if I heard you right. Because Jesus is alluding to the reality that if you want to truly receive eternal life, you must die to yourself follow Jesus. He's saying, if you want to inherit eternal life, you got to put me first. You got to say no to what you want and follow after me. And that's why Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So Jesus lays this on him. And so then we kind of mentioned it earlier, but again, how does the man respond in verse 22? How does the man respond? The guy. What does he do? In, how does the man respond in verse 22? He was, was he happy? Was he? He wasn't happy. He was sorrowful, sad. Why do you think he was sad? Yeah. He had great wealth, and we don't know how much he had, but whatever the amount was, that was too much to give up to follow Jesus. And clearly, he loved his wealth more than God. And maybe he did love God, but he said, you know what? There's a limit. That's too much of a cost. And he wanted to know how to be good enough to get to heaven. And yet when Jesus called him to give up everything, The man couldn't do it. Jesus, what do I got to do? He said, here's what you got to do. Sell everything, put me first. Man says, ooh, I'm not sure if I can do that. Yeah, clearly whatever wealth he had 
that meant more to him. And so there's a lot more in this passage that we can unpack, unpack tonight, but let me just pause there. So how does this passage help us understand what the truth is to the lie of if I'm good enough, I'll get to heaven? What is this, how does this passage help us have clarity? How does it change our lens? Let's process this a little bit. I want to help you kind of, kind of like sharpen these Bible study skills, okay? So in light of what you read and what Jesus said, what does that tell us about how to shine truth on this lie of, if I'm good enough, I'll go to heaven? Okay. So I'm going to never look at this passage again, Mr. Krabs. Okay, good. All right, what else? What does this passage tell us about the lie? Yeah, okay. Good, good. What else? Let's, let's, kind of, let's keep thinking here, okay? You can process here. I'm not trying to trick you. Okay, all right, good. I like what you're thinking. Okay, go on. Yeah. Don't make idols. Or in other words, an idol is something that goes above God. Okay? Yeah, Ben? Yeah. If you're willing to ask a tough question, be ready for a tough answer. Okay, yeah, maybe there's an element of he wasn't even willing to sell what he had to give to somebody who actually needed something, right? Like, he was so in love with his money that he couldn't even do that, right? He was so, like, holding on to what he had. Good, good thoughts, yeah? hold on to our wealth, our money, and this whole passage talks a lot about that, too. That could be a whole other lesson on how we are so wanting to hold on to our finances, our money, and we're not willing to sacrifice that for God. But does it really matter in the long run, in eternity, how much money you have? And that's what's so amazing about the gospel, is that it changes lives, no matter who you are, where you're from, how much money you make, the gospel is for everybody. What else? Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's so easy to be like, man, I got it all. You know what? Maybe this man approached Jesus with this sense of, I feel pretty good. Jesus is going to say, you are rocking it, my man. And then all of a sudden, Jesus lays us down, and he's like, ooh, I was not expecting that. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, the very first question, he says back in verse 16, Teacher, what good deed must I do 
He's saying, okay, what the, what's the good things that I need to do, and how do I do them? How do I accomplish this? How do I obtain this? How do I work for this? It's as if this man was saying, Jesus, can you just give me the syllabus? Can you tell me what I got to do so I can get an A+. Because here's really the reality behind this question. What do I have to do to get to heaven? This man was trying to earn his salvation. And so here's the specific problem that I want to address. And again, there's a lot that happens in here, but for our purpose tonight, I want to focus on this. Here's the problem. He was trying to figure out how good was good enough to get to heaven. He wanted to know, Jesus, what is the minimum? What is the requirement? But Jesus essentially tells him, your best efforts to do something to get into heaven are not good enough. They will never be good enough. I mean, clearly this man is religious because he's following the law, following these commandments. But he's missing the point. That no matter how hard you try doing just these good things, even if they're for God or not, putting your faith in the good things won't be what gives you eternal life. Because Jesus is saying, I want you to cut ties with the world. I want you to follow me. And so this man wanted to work his way to heaven. However, Jesus helps us understand that that's not how it works. But he was saying, come follow me. And the man refused. And so like this man, many people today, and maybe some of us in this room, we want to do just enough to get to heaven. Because how often do we treat eternity like a grading scale? You know what? If I get like an 80%, that's good enough. If I get 90%, that's good enough. But here's the reality. Eternity, it's pass or fail. It's pass or fail. There's not a grading. But see, friends, here is the good news. Ephesians 2 8 and 9 says this, By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so if you desire to have eternal life, if you desire to spend eternity with Jesus, it's not by being a good person. It's not by having the good scale outweigh your bad at the end of your life which is basically what the ruler wanted. He wanted the good scale to outweigh the bad. He wanted to know, Jesus, what is the minimum? How good is good enough? And that's what I'm aiming for. See, friends, this is one of the big lies that we can believe. We can often have this lens of, if I'm a good person, I'm going to get to heaven. As long as my good outweighs my bad, I'm good. And side note, sometimes Christians believe this subtly. Oftentimes we can think, you know what, if I go to church, if I read the Bible, if I do good things, if I help people cross the street, whatever, this, these things will get me to heaven. But if we believe this, it's not going to work. Because we have to place our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Because if we live life trying to find and do good things, you're going to be exhausted because, again, how good is good enough? But then we might say, you know what, on the flip side, maybe if I just keep my sins to a minimum, maybe that'll be good. I mean, if I just avoid 
the big sins, I'll be okay. Well, you know what? Who sets the standard? Again, how good is good enough? We can say, you know what? What are the good things? But then some of us can say, you know what? If I just limit the bad things, maybe that's okay. But again, that still brings us back to the question that this man has. How do we inherit eternal life? And friends, let me be clear with what the Bible says. How do you receive everlasting life? Romans 3 says this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his spirit. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. For God presented Jesus as sacrifice for sin. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. Friends, it's by placing your faith in Jesus. And that's what Jesus told the, the man. Put me first and follow me. And so what's amazing is a few verses later in this chapter, verse 26, as Jesus is talking about this, the crowd feels pretty frustrated and defeated. Because imagine being in the crowd and you hear this happening, you're like, uh-oh. And this is what Jesus says. What is impossible for man is possible for God. And friends, the only way to do the impossible, the only way for the impossible to happen, for us to be good enough to get to heaven, the only way to do the impossible is for God to intervene. And praise God that he did through Jesus' death and resurrection. Friends, Jesus took care of our sin. It's because of Jesus we don't have to walk through life on eggshells. We don't have to walk a tightrope wondering if we're going to fall off on either side. We don't have to weigh our goodness on a scale against somebody else. It's because of Jesus that we can live in freedom without having to wonder, am I good enough? And so as we close, let me ask you this. Are you placing your faith, are you placing your salvation, your eternity in your good works? Are you placing your faith in Jesus? Are you living life trying to check all the boxes and hope that's enough? Friends, the Bible says no. But praise be to God, he did the impossible and he provided a way for us to receive eternal life. And that way is placing your faith in Jesus. And so here's the reality. If you're trying to be good enough to get to heaven, it won't work. Because the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus wants us to know clearly how to receive eternal life. And that is by placing your faith in him. And so let me close with this. Here's the truth. We can't earn our way to heaven. It's only by grace through faith in Jesus that we can receive salvation and everlasting life. It's only by grace through faith in Christ. And so I would encourage you tonight, if you have never placed your faith in Christ, why not tonight be the night that you do that? Place your faith in Jesus. It's by his grace that we are saved. It's through Christ that we can have everlasting life. If you've never done that, I would invite you to do so. And if you have placed your faith in Christ, praise be to God 
remember tonight that we live for him. And yes, reading the Bible, praying, going to church, these are all amazing, great things. Don't hear that. But if at the end of the day, we are placing our faith in the things that we do, Jesus says, no, look to me, follow me. Place your faith in Jesus. And so friends, wherever you're at with Jesus tonight, I would really encourage you to consider that. Because I would love for you to place your faith in Jesus because that was, for me, the best decision that I ever made in my life. And does that mean I'm perfect? No. Does that mean I still make mistakes? Yeah. But I know that at the end of the day, it's by grace that I've been saved. It's the loving kindness that God has shown to me through Christ and what he did. That I can have freedom and I don't have to live my life worrying and fear. Did I do enough? Because you can have freedom. And that's through Jesus. And so in a minute here, we're going to dismiss the small groups. And I would encourage you, to, you're going to talk more about this and unpack this here tonight. And so before we dismiss the small groups, let me pray for you all. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity for us to dive into your word, God. Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your clarity. Thank you that you helped us understand how do we receive eternal life? It's through you, Jesus. Lord God, help us to not get so caught up in trying to earn our relationship with you, God. But thanks be to God as through Christ that we have a way to be saved. And it's a freeing thing. And it's because of Jesus, the past doesn't have to define our future. And I'm thankful that at the end of my life, when I stand before you, because I've placed my faith in Christ, you are going to see Jesus. And I thank you for that. And I pray that if there is somebody here tonight that has never truly placed their faith in you to say, yes, I trust in you and what you did, not what I'm trying to do, but my faith is in you, God. I pray that they would take that step of faith tonight. And maybe tonight would be the night that their lives are changed for eternity. God, thank you for your word and for what it teaches us. And I pray that as we go into small groups that we'd be able to unpack this and talk more about this. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay. All right, so go ahead, uh, find your small group leaders.